This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, January 15th, 2017. New beginnings, God is with me. So good morning, Connection Church. Good morning. Good morning. So today is the beginning of week three of our Read Through the Bible in a year program that we're encouraging each and every one of you to be a part of. You can download, uh, as you can see on the screen here, um, on the right, your phone, uh, you can get Holy Bible U version. It's an app, U version Holy Bible. If you get that, there's a plan called the uh, Life Journal Reading Plan. That's what we're doing. If you go on that, man, it's so simple. Just every day you push the button. It'll even read it to you if you want to and check off that you got it done. You can do it on your computer. Just show up church slash reading plan. It'll take you day by day, give you the reading. I think it goes through Bible Gateway, which, and you can line up two, three, four, five different versions if you want to compare and contrast. And then there's the old-fashioned way. It's a piece of paper with the readings on it that you can pick up outside. You can open that book called the Bible and read the readings every day and check it off yourself. So we got all those various ways to do it. The important thing isn't how you do it, but that you do it. And we encourage you to get focused on those Old and New Testament readings. Um, our focus this morning is uh, uh, f- uh, from some of the readings in Genesis that will be in this week coming up. Good morning again, Connection Church. My name is Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's great to be back. We were off last week. Our son Turner got married. We're empty nesters officially now. Yay. Um, It's great to be with you. Would you pray with me, please? God, thank you so much for today. Lord, settle us in. Help remove any distractions so that we can have a laser focus on you and the word that you intend for each one of us. We know that you tailor make that word to speak into our hearts. You can speak one thing to one person, another thing to another person. It's just amazing how that works. Lord, we give this time to you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And everybody agreed and said, Amen. 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 So, the last uh, part of the book of Genesis, which is in the first, uh, it's the very first chapter of the Bible, it focuses on a guy named Joseph. Not the Joseph that we talked about last month, you know, the stepfather of Jesus, but Joseph, who was the son of Jacob, who was the son of Isaac, who was the son of Abraham. And it was not only, um, Jacob was not only uh, the father of Joseph, but Jacob said that Joseph was his favorite son. Mm. So much so that he got his son a robe. It had, uh, it was really a flashy kind of robe. You might have heard of uh, Joseph with the coat of many colors or Joseph in the Technicolor dream coat. That's the guy we're talking about. That's the Joseph and that's the coat. Now, when Joseph's brothers, he had a lot of brothers, saw that he was loved more than they were by his father, they were really upset. In fact, the Bible says they hated him, so much so that they couldn't say a kind word to him. Parent alert, parent alert, 
don't have favorites. Grandparent alert. Grandparent alert. <laughs> it causes trouble. Plus, it's just not right. Do your best to treat your children with equality. Yeah. Then we're told that he hated him even more, that they hated his brothers, hated him more, when he had this dream from God that he shared with them. <laughs> no wonder. Check out the dream. All the brothers were out in the field in the dream, binding sheaves of grain, when suddenly Joseph's sheave, uh, Joseph sheave rises up right in the middle, straight and tall, and the brother's sheaves gather and bow down to the Joseph. I'm sure they're going, yeah, that's from God. That sounds like something you made up. They didn't doesn't say that. I'm just, that's an Alanization there. But they hated him all the more because of that dream. And Joseph told them that he had another dream, which involved um, the sun and the moon and 11 stars. Remember, there were 11 brothers who bowed down to him. <laughs> we're told that um, his father and his brothers in this dream, you know, were in the dream. And so his father, who remember, loved him more than any of the others, rebuked him. I mean, that was even probably a little disturbing for daddy. And he asked if he and Joseph's mother and the sons would actually come and bow down to Joseph. Again, there was lots of jealousy going on, and actually you can kind of see why. Yeah. The interesting thing part is that it was very prophetic, those dreams, which we'll see a little bit later on this morning. So have you ever had a family member that you uh, kind of got to the point where you were upset with, mad with, that I'm not going to say hated, but maybe close where it wouldn't take a whole lot for you to bring a little pain or hurt to that person. I'm not looking for hands. <laughs> I understand. You don't want to admit to it, but it's tough, isn't it? Uh, would be tough to admit to it, but sometimes we can really be pushed, especially by those close to us, by our family members, by our brothers and sisters. And so in this story this morning, the brothers got so fed up with Joseph I mean, they, they felt pushed so far. They were out watching their father's flock, of, uh, and, and they planned to kill him. They plotted to kill their brother. And so uh, before they killed him, they threw him into this empty pit. They called a cistern, this empty pit. It wasn't filled with water. It was just empty. And then some traveling merchants stopped by and said, we got an even better plan. They, so they made money out of this deal. They sold him to these traveling merchants they took the multicolored dream coat, the coat of many colors. They slaughtered a goat, took the coat and dipped it into the blood, and then gave it to Daddy-O. And can you imagine Dad's grief at the thought that his favorite boy had been chewed up by a ferocious animal? That's what he was left with. That's what these boys gave their father. Can you imagine? And, and then in the meantime, the merchants were traveling down they get to Egypt, they sell this young guy, Joseph, over to the, uh, chief, the head of the uh, Pharaoh's guard, a guy named Potiphar. What a story. What a Potiphar, story. now that's not a name that we hear anymore. Tom, you're going to have a son. You can name him Potiphar. Woo-woo, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Potiphar. Well, Scripture you tells us. You know what would be hilarious if they did? <laughs> <laughs> scripture tells us that the Lord was with Joseph. <laughs> and Joseph prospered even as a slave in, in Potiphar's house. And when Potiphar noticed that the Lord was with Joseph, um, 
and that Joseph had success in everything that he did, he, he was a smart man. He put Joseph in charge of everything, in charge of his household. He entrusted everything he owned into Joseph's care. And the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. But the story gets even better. We're told that Joseph was well-built and handsome, and that after a while, Potiphar's wife took notice of him, and she said, come to bed with me. For crying out loud, this is the Bible. Do you believe you find stuff like that in the Bible? A married woman saying, come to bed with me, but it's right in there. Well, Joseph did the right thing, and he refused her, telling her that his master, her husband, had entrusted him with everything, and other than her, his wife. How could he do such a wicked thing and sin against God? He was a believer. He believed in God. God was his Lord. And so he remained righteous. He did the right thing. But she continued approaching him day in and day out and day in and day out. And he continued refusing her requests. Strong-willed young man. But then one day, when no one was at home, she grabs him by the cloak and asks him once again to go to bed with her. And so he runs out of the house, leaving the cloak in her hand. Now, it doesn't, you know, important to what's in there, what's not. It doesn't tell us what he was wearing as he ran out. I'll leave that to your imagination. But she was so humiliated that she calls the whole, uh, all her servants together and says that he had come trying to bed her rather than the other way around. And when she screamed, he dropped the cloak, which she's holding, and ran out the door. And then she shared that same untruthful story with her husband when he got home. Well, he was so upset and angry that he threw Joseph into the king's prison. Boy, this sounds like daytime TV, or how about nighttime it's, it's TV? Better. These 10 o'clock shows like Scandal? Wow. That's pretty... Uh, Sounds ooh. like you're familiar with that show. No, nah, I quit yeah. watching that one. So, <laughs> although I know that some of, the, some of you do. So that's okay. Uh. So, you know what? We're not talking about a TV thing. We're talking about a real story in the Bible. Real people uh, in a real world of whom Joseph, who was a real God follower... This really did happen to him. He had a real relationship with God. As you will see, that relationship is what carried Joseph through. He was trying to do the right thing. He kept refusing her. He literally ran away. You know that saying when it gets too, uh, when you can't stand the heat, get out of the kitchen. He got out of the kitchen. <laughs> he did the right thing. Only she lied turned the tables, and he ended up in prison. And you got to wonder, what's that all about, you know? Where you're doing what, what you feel you're supposed to do, doing the right thing, doing what you think God would want you to do. And yet, in spite of your best efforts, things turn, things fall apart, things go south, and you have to wonder two things, why and how? Why me, Lord? And, and, and how could you let this happen? to me, God. Maybe you've been there before. I know we have. It's hard. It's tough. It is hard. 
Now, when the tables turned on Joseph, one thing that we don't read in the story was Joseph asking those questions. You know, why me, Lord? You know, I was trying to do the right thing. Here's what we do read in Scripture uh, in response to Joseph's imprisonment. If you have your Bibles, it's Genesis 39, or you can look on your phone, or it's on the screen. Verses 21 to 23, this is the New Revised Standard Version of Scripture. But the Lord was with Joseph and, and showed him steadfast love. He gave him favor in the sight of the chief jailer. The chief jailer committed to Joseph's care all the prisoners who were in the prison, and whatever else was done, uh, whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The chief jailer paid no heed to anything that was in Joseph's care, because the Lord was with him. Say that with me. The, the Lord, Lord was, was with, with him, him, and whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. So in the midst of his imprisonment, the Lord was with him. Knowing that God was with him, remember Joseph claimed God as his Lord, Joseph chose to be a man of great integrity in the midst of the challenge. Joseph chose to make the best of his situation, even though it was really difficult. Joseph, a man of God, chose to focus on God rather than his surroundings. And Joseph prospered in the midst of some really, really tough circumstances. He didn't seem to ask, why, Lord, or how could you let this happen to me, God? Because Joseph knew <coughs> that the Lord was with him. He knew it in the midst of the slavery, in the midst of the imprisonment, in the midst of the lies that were told about him. Joseph stood on the steadfast rock of the Lord, and he stayed faithful to the Lord. You know, our greatest opportunities come when we find ourselves in the midst of life's challenges, in the midst of working hard to, to do the right thing and still getting smacked with unexpected and unwanted consequences. And the question is, will we say, why me, Lord, when we're faced with life's obstacles, even those we were, we've worked very hard to avoid, or, or will we say, God is with me? Say that with me. God, God is, is with, with me. me. Even in those times when we're not prospering like Joseph did in those tough times. Uh, no matter how tough it gets, it's important to always remember that God is with us, with you, with me. Say it again. God, God is, is with, with me. me. One more time. God, God is, is with, with me. me. God's with me. It's a good reminder that God is in control always and everywhere. Control of everything. And God can bring good out of any circumstance. As we say, God never wastes a hurt. Can bring good any any challenge, any heartache, any loss. And you know, I know it's tough to thank God when you're in the midst of it. When you're in the midst of, of hurt and pain, it's hard to say, oh, thank you, Lord, for bringing this pain because I know you're going to do something good with it. I, I know it's hard when we're in the midst of those setbacks and those obstacles, but it's important to remember that God has a bigger plan than we do. A bigger plan, not just for us, but for each of us. Remember that God's plan is bigger than we can even begin to imagine. God has a bigger plan. I'd like to show you a picture. So this is my dad and me, 
and this was taken on Thanksgiving. And two weeks after this picture to the day, um, Dad passed away. Now, it's really recent. We had a busy Christmas, and then Turner got married. So I just need to tell you all that I haven't really had time to process a lot of this. And I ask for your prayers as one day I just might end up processing it. And um, I hope that day comes really soon, actually. But anyway. The reason why I put this picture up is because it speaks to what we were talking about today, where God can use difficult circumstances. So in the last couple hours of Dad's life, the family gathered in his, in his den, and he was in the bed, and he was really barely, barely breathing, and this went on for a couple of hours. Well, Dad was married to Sandy uh, for a lot of years, and Sandy has kids in addition to dad's kids. So, so we were all there. Now Sandy's kids aren't churched. Dad's kids, were, we've been, we were brought up in the faith. So we're sitting there and you can imagine like watching a man and wondering if that's the last breath. And that, that's how it was for a long couple hours. And so we're sitting there and a family member on Sandy's side was sitting next to me, and she looked over at me, and she asked me a question about Jesus. And I'm like, huh, okay. So I answered that question, and then she asked another question, and then she asked another question. So we spent, I think Dad kept, or God kept Dad alive for a while so that this conversation could continue. Sandy told us on Christmas Eve that her, her family chose to go to church with her on Christmas, first time, and have attended church with her several other times since then. So God used a really heart-wrenching, gut-wrenching situation for his glory. And as I think about those last hours, I can actually say thank you, God, and smile about it in the midst of probably some tears that I have yet to have but will have very soon because I knew that God was at work then and God continues to be at work. God doesn't waste any of our sadness, any of our moments. So I'm really excited about what God's going to do uh, based on something that just happened in our family. Amen that. So back to the story. While in prison, Joseph had the opportunity to interpret some dreams for a couple of other prisoners, two of the Pharaoh's uh, staff who were in there, the, the, uh, the baker and the, and the cupper. I think the cupper is the guy who checks the wine. He dies instead of Pharaoh if it's poison. So anyway, they're in prison. He interprets correctly a couple of, some of their dreams. And so word, actually a couple years later, gets back to Pharaoh and he summons Joseph to interpret a dream that he's had that he can't make any sense of nor get anybody else to make any sense out of. Now, check this dream out. In the dream, there's seven cows that come out of the Nile, um, and they are fat and sleek, the Scripture says. And then seven cows come out who are ugly and lean. And the lean, ugly cows eat the fat cows, and they're still just as ugly and lean as they started. And, and, and then there was another part of the dream where there were seven uh, heads of grain, full and good, single stalk. 
And then seven other heads sprouted that were withered and thin, and the withered thin uh, uh, grain gobbles up the full and, and, and good uh, uh, stalks of grain. So that had to be a pretty vivid dream for Pharaoh to have, and he asked Joseph to interpret the dream. So Joseph did. He said, the fat cows, the full grain, are seven years of abundance, great abundance. The thin cows, the thin heads of grain, are seven years of famine. And so these lean years will follow the abundant years, and it will be so devastating and so horrible that the people will forget about the abundance, the abundant years and mm. and just dwell on the lean time. And so Joseph then suggests that Pharaoh find someone to put in charge to oversee collecting some of the excess grain during the years of abundance so that they'll have that in reserve when the years of famine come along. So Pharaoh gives careful consideration and was kind of like, well, duh, here's the guy who explained it. Here's the guy who came up with this plan. Why don't I just put him in charge? He seems like a pretty wise guy, wise guy. And, and so he puts him in charge of overseeing his palace and his people. And by the way, his people is all of Egypt. And so Joseph becomes basically the number two guy right under Pharaoh. Who, who would have dreamed that possible way back when his brothers are selling him into slavery. Who would have dreamed this way back when, when he's saying, no, thank you, to Potiphar's wife, she lies, and he gets thrown into prison? Who would have imagined that he would have ended up the number two guy in the most <laughs> successful country in that region at that time? You know, if you're Joseph and you're in that position, you got just four words at this point. God is with me. Can you say it? God, God is, is with me. me. And so the famine came, and it did, and it was widespread. So widespread that it reached all the way to where Joseph's family was um, far away. So the brothers heard that there was grain stored up that they could buy in Egypt. So they show up, and um, they came to purchase the grain. They did not recognize their long-lost brother, Joseph. Joseph realized that, kind of had a little fun with them. He was bantering back and forth and um, kind of made the grain hard to get for them. And when Joseph finally told them who he was, I mean, can you imagine the brothers what they were, oh my goodness, they were, they were terrified, justifiably so. Here's what we read in Genesis 45. Verses 4 through 8, again, the New Revised Standard Version. And though Joseph said to his brothers, come closer to me. And they came closer, and he said, I'm your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are five more years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. 
He has made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Wow. So wow. Joseph sent his brothers back to get his father, and then the family was reunited, and they were all together um, in Egypt. Now, when their father died, <laughs> the brothers got nervous again, and uh, they wondered what Joseph would, would, would do now that dad was gone. Mm. Let me read this one off the screen here. But Joseph said to them, do not be afraid. Am I in the place of God? Even though you intended to do harm to me, God intended it for good. Can you say that with me? Even though though you intended intended to do do harm harm to me, God God intended intended it for good. good. In order to preserve a numerous people, as he is doing today. So have no fear. I myself will provide for you and your little ones. In this way, he reassured them, speaking kindly to them. So this scripture, even though you intended to do harm to me, God intended for good, really, really hit me at the first service. And I didn't plan on sharing this, but I, this is a real-life example of what Joseph, you know, he was slandered, and it, lies were told about him, and, and God was with him, and he knew it. So this was well over 20 years ago in our life, and I was a brand new pastor. And something was said about me that was very damaging. In fact, it was like a character assassination, and I'm not not exaggerating on this. It was a lie that was damaging enough to take me out. And... um, Certainly the lie that was told was intended to harm me. I'm grateful that the powers over me recognized that it was a lie and I was able to continue to be um, a pastor in the church that I served. But they were lies that were so damaging that it really could have affected, I wouldn't be standing here today. They were lies that were so powerful that it could have affected my family, could have affected our relationship. But here's what it did to me instead. It made me claim the purpose and plan that God had for my life even more. I dug my feet in. Now, I've told you my story. I didn't want to be a pastor. I wanted to be a nurse. That's what God called me to do. And there are many days when I'm like, yeah, that's still what God wants me to do. But I know beyond, beyond everything that in my obedience, it's to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. So what that situation did for me was it made me dig my feet even deeper to claim God's presence, God is with me. Instead of sinking stand, I was standing on the firm foundation of Christ. And then I felt like the arrows that were coming at me could not penetrate God's purpose and plan for me, for us, and ultimately for Connection Church when you spin that story forward. And so 
I share that to tell you that there are times when you might be at school or you might be at work or maybe in your own family, there are things that could be said that could be very damaging, that could really affect your life. Stand firm. Know that God is with you no matter what. God will never leave you nor forsake you. The situation really might not get that much better, but you are okay because God is with you. Be faithful to God. Joseph was faithful in the midst of some horrible, horrible events, and he knew that no matter what, God would be with him. And God would not only take care of Joseph and his family, but that would extend to many others. And that can be true for you as well. Mm -hmm. So God was Carrie, God was with Joseph, God was with us as well, you and me. And you know, I'm not going to stand here and say that God brings all the bad things into our lives. We've got to take credit for some of them. <laughs> and we often give all of it to Satan. No. <laughs> he does some, but just, let's just face up. Sometimes we just make bad choices. We're pretty good at it. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. All right, so, but I will say, even amongst those bad choices, no matter how it comes down, those bad things in our lives, God can use those challenges for the benefit of us and others. God never wastes a hurt. And we rec when we recognize that God is with us, we're then able to realize a different perspective in the midst of these challenges. Knowing God is with us helps us to be encouraged when things don't go the way we planned. <laughs> Knowing God is with us helps us to remember that there is a bigger story being written beyond just me, beyond just you. A story that started long before we came into the picture and a story that's going to continue long after we're gone. You know, knowing God is with us gives us the strength to continue to do what is right, even in the midst of what seem to be undeserved consequences. So over the years, when um, the challenges happen, um, every once in a while I cry out like, well, God, you know, are you even listening? Sometimes it feels like our prayers hit the ceiling and bounce back down. David the psalmist, there's a whole bunch of psalms where David's like, do you even know I'm here? I am like really a mess. The enemy is against me. But at the end of the day, David says, I know that you are good and I will be faithful and you are a steadfast God. And that would be our challenge to you to say, um, okay, God, I know you're with me through thick and thin. And we can say that because we have the promise of God that Scripture after Scripture after Scripture says that. In 2 Corinthians uh, 13, verse 5, or do you not realize about yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? See, we're not just saying God is with me, but here's the good news. Jesus Christ is in you. You're not it's not like here and there. When we accept Christ, there's like Christ comes in our hearts and resides in us. That's why our hope is that everybody would come into a real and personal relationship with Jesus because we're never stranded. Christ in you. I love the scripture in Ephesians 
Ephesians chapter 3, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with the power through his spirit. We don't get power from ourselves. It's through the spirit, the Holy Spirit, who comes and resides, who is in us when we accept that relationship. Through his spirit in your inner being, that's your soul. So that, and here's the great line, so that Christ may dwell, live, that's dwell, live in your hearts forever. That's the promise. That's the good news. So we can say, God is with me, with assurance. If you're not feeling that today, don't leave here without talking to God about it. Don't leave here. Get on your knees or just in your seat. Just say, okay, God, I'm not sure what she's talking about, but I'm going to trust and just say, okay, come on in. Reside in my heart. We have a prayer corner back there. Mike and Marie are ready to pray with you if, if you want to talk about that. God is with us. That's the good news. Let's believe it. Let's live it. Amen? Let's pray. Almighty God, forgive us when we when we so, so much in our humanness forget. We forget. We forget what you did for us through your son, Jesus Christ. We forget that Jesus endured uh, the cross, died and rose again for our sake. We forget. But thank you for your abiding presence in our lives and your continued wooing that grace that just keeps pulling us closer and closer. Help us, Lord, get to know you more as we read through the Bible. Help us um, extend kindness to those who we meet so that they might see Christ in us. I pray this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And everybody gathered and said, Amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus.